Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, and welcome to a special edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, and I'm joined by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? Well, I was doing a little bit better before <laughs> uh, before I had to give up my uh, holiday for this uh, David Njoku news. How about you? Pretty much the same. I was kind of taking it easy and uh, got a run in and, and all that stuff and uh, logged on to Twitter and there it was. Um, so that's why we're doing this. Obviously, we, we didn't have a daily pod here on Friday and we're recording this Friday around four, uh, around 420. Um, and then David Njoku requested a trade. So we figured we should get together and at least put together some kind of pod to get everybody through their weekend and talk a little bit about this. Uh, so Mary Kay, let's just start here. You know, as of our recording of this, what can you kind of tell us about this situation? Well, you know, it began with Drew Rosenhaus telling ESPN's Adam Schefter that David Njoku wanted this trade. And uh, basically, they want this to happen by the start of camp, which is supposed to be July 28th. Uh, the Browns do not. I've been told the Browns have no plans. They do not want to trade him. They don't. They want him here. He's a key part of the two tight end set. They feel that he's a valuable member of the team, and they don't want to trade him. I've since come to find out a couple of other details about this. Uh, number one, he fired his agent a couple of days ago, Malky Kawhi, and, uh, and he hired Drew Rosenhaus. Just this just all happened uh, very, very quickly. And shortly after Drew uh, picked up David, he asked Andrew Barry to trade him. Uh, once again, the Browns do not want to trade him. One team I've heard that might be interested in him uh, are the Cowboys. But I really do think that if Andrew Barry is going to move him, uh, he's going to want to get a really high pick for him. He was a first-round pick. Andrew still believes that David Njoku has a lot of upside potential. He didn't get to show that last year because he had a broken wrist that caused him to miss 10 games. Andrew still believes in him, and I don't think he's just going to give him away. Right, and, and that's sort of – that's probably going to be a sticking point in all of this because obviously the Browns value him highly. Uh, you don't want to give away a first-round pick for – you know, too, too much loss, right? You know, I remember Corey Coleman, what did the Browns get for him? Like a seventh round pick. I mean, that's, that's a disaster. That's, that's taking a, a really valuable asset and turning it into almost nothing. But the problem there is Najoku's value. Like you said, he didn't really get to show a whole lot last year because he got injured so early and then he really didn't play when he came back. Um, he's been pretty up and down through his career. His best year was probably 2018, especially in the red zone. 
but he hasn't really quite lived up to that first round potential. Um, it's going to be hard to really return that type of value for him. I, I don't, I mean, I almost wonder if it's going to be hard right now, especially if the Browns are in this spot where maybe they're getting forced to trade him, that you could do even better than like a day three pick. I think it's going to be hard to recoup real value for him right now. Yeah, I think so too. And I actually think that they feel uh, that they would rather keep him uh, and wait and hold out for a, you know, for, for a first round pick. I think they actually would like the pick that they drafted him in back if they're going to trade him. Now, is that going to happen? I don't see that happening. Uh, like you said, the, the value just isn't really going to be there at that level because in part of what he went through last year, it was an opportunity for him to come in and actually uh, try to take his game up to the next level last year and see if he could live up to that first round status. And he had some things to build on from the year before. Obviously, he had to concentrate more uh, and catch the ball more consistently, and that was an issue with him a little bit. Uh, but I think the Browns felt maybe he could build on his 2018 season last year, and then he broke the wrist. Then he got into Freddie Kitchens' doghouse along with Rashard Higgins, Demarius Randall. When you get it into Freddie Kitchens' doghouse, you're not coming out, and he never did. And by the end of the season, I talked to him at his locker one day, and, uh, and I asked him, do you think you'll be back? And he was like, you know, I really can't say that I'll be back. I mean, he basically said uh, in so many words that he wouldn't be back if Freddie Kitchens was. So new life was breathed into him when Freddie Kitchens was fired. Kevin Stefanski gets hired. Andrew Barry becomes the GM. Andrew Barry, of course, was part of drafting him in 2017. And not only did they draft him for the first in the first round, but they moved back up. They traded up to the first round to get him, giving up the number three, 33 overall pick in the second round and a fourth round pick, number 108. So Andrew was here then. He was actually the top football guy at that time because Sashi Brown was in charge and did not have those talent evaluating skills. So Andrew Barry and his crew drafted Dave Njoku, one of three first-round picks that year, and believed that he was, could become a very good and valuable tight end in the NFL. Right, and then, you know, that's the interesting part of this, is that they traded up to get him. You know, this is, a, this is not a group that traded up very often, at least that high in the draft. They would maneuver around later in the draft, but high in the draft, they didn't maneuver around a whole lot. They traded up for him. They gave up assets. Uh, it's worth noting, if we really want to revisit that, that uh, that was also the year when they traded the number 12 pick. It could have been Deshaun Watson. They ended up turning that into Denzel Ward and Jabril Peppers. Um, they also, T.J. Watt went one pick after David Njoku, and Ryan Ramchick went a couple picks after two. Uh, but we'll re-legislate that 2017 draft some other time. Uh, the, the opportunity thing is where this gets interesting as well, because this – this echoes a little bit of Duke Johnson's situation last year when he requested a trade. Now, he requested the trade before he fired his agent last year, and then he ultimately brought on Drew, Rose, Drew Rosenhaus, uh, had that weird camp, and uh, eventually they moved him. They got a third-round pick for him in the end. This is different, though, because with Duke, you could see there was not going to be an opportunity there. The minute they signed Kareem Hunt, even though Hunt was going to be suspended the first half of the season, you knew that Duke's opportunities were going to dry up when Kareem Hunt started playing. I mean, the writing was on the wall. With Njoku, it's the opposite. You're, you're bringing in a coach who loves tight ends. Everything they've done this offseason has pointed to them really liking Njoku. Kevin Stefanski has had great things to say about him. Andrew Barry had great things to say about him. They picked up his fifth-year option, which I found a little surprising. 
uh, but they did pick it up. And so that tells you that they at least value him uh, in that regard to want to take that longer look at him. And now he doesn't want to be a part of it, apparently. I, I think that's kind of what is sitting weird, no matter how fans might feel about Najoku. He's a very divisive player among the fan base. That's, that's for sure, if you just look at Twitter. Um, but no matter how they feel about him, the opportunity for him to kind of prove everybody right or prove everybody wrong, depending on that, was there. Yeah, absolutely. And when you look at the, the cost, the price of that fifth-year option, it was only about $6.4 million yeah. for 2021. So it was not an exorbitant amount of money. I mean, they just gave Austin Hooper a contract worth $10.5 million a year over four years, which uh, for the former free agent from the Falcons makes him the highest paid ten tight end in the NFL. So really, it was kind of a no-brainer in some ways to pick up the fifth-year option for Njoku, if you really do believe that that he can become something. And once again, Andrew Barry did believe that. I think he looked at last year as an aberration. I think he looked at last year as uh, as uh, Dave Njoku was just one of those handful of players, along with a Duke Johnson, that got in that doghouse and, and was never going to dig his way out of it. And that with a new coaching staff and a new set of eyes on him, new tight ends coach and things like that, that he, you know, would be back in good graces and make a, a significant contribution to the football team. So uh, now it's interesting. You wrote a story too, Dan, about Harrison Bryant, a really nice feature story on Harrison Bryant, who they drafted in the fourth round. And if Harrison Bryant lives up to his expectations, you know, it could end up being Austin Hooper and Harrison Bryant at those two tight end spots. You know, the other strange thing about that, though, is they were basically going into this season where almost the default was going to be the answer to everything, right? You know, Austin Hooper was going to come in and be the number one tight end, but then behind him, there wasn't really going to be a lot of opportunity for a guy like Harrison Bryant to show, hey, I should be the number two or whoever else, Farrell Brown, Stephen Carlson, whoever else, to show I, I should be that number two because there's not going to be, I mean, training camp, we have no idea what that's going to look like. Uh, there might not be any preseason games. As of now, they're down to two preseason games, and the NFLPA wants no preseason games. So it, it just really felt like, you know, that, that the red carpet was out there for, for David Njoku. That's Rashard Higgins' celebration. But we're going to say it's out there for David Njoku to really have just walked into that number two tight end role on, on this team. So, so that's another factor that I just kind of look at, and I just I'm not exactly sure where that disconnect is between – the opportunity that I think everybody kind of sees for him and, and why he wants out. Let me take a minute to tell you about Football Insider. It's our subscription service where Mary Kay, Scott, and I will text you throughout the day with the latest on the Browns, news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. And the best part is you can text us back, and we'll text you directly, cutting through the clutter of social media. It's another way to connect with us as we cover your favorite football team. We also hold events with our team of writers exclusively for our subscribers, like the virtual draft event we held the week before the draft this year and our virtual event talking all things Baker Mayfield. That included uh, Mary Kay, me, Scott, Dougley Maurice, and Terry Pluto. All of these events that we do, they're open only to our football insiders. So if you want to check it out, you can get a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. Football Insider is $3.99 per month after your trial expires. Or better yet, you can just text 216-208-3965 to get your trial started. Again, 
to get that 14-day free trial started and see everything that comes with your subscription to Football Insider, text 216-208-3965. Back to our show. Kevin Stefanski, last year in Minnesota, ran two tight ends 57% of the time when he was calling plays for the Vikings. That's higher than anybody else in the NFL. So the opportunities are there, obviously, to have two tight ends on the field. And, you know, sometimes there's going to be three tight ends on the field. So certainly uh, this was an opportunity. I think he probably wants to be the number one tight end. I think he views himself as a, you know, still a first-round pick uh, that has first-round talent. And I don't think he wanted to be behind Austin Hooper. I think for him the writing was on the wall. You know, last year was such a horrible year for him here. I don't think he wanted to go through that again. I think he felt like it was an opportunity to, you know, kind of cut his losses and move on. But unless, once again, unless they get uh, the price that they are looking for for him, and that price will be pretty high, then, you know, he might kind of be stuck here. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, maybe that maybe that's where this weird offseason kind of helps the Browns because camp will be kind of weird. Um, you know, who knows if we're, if we're going to be out there every day watching and being able to say, well, David Njoku took another Veterans Day off today. You know, remember how it was with Duke? right? He never really got on the field. It was like a hamstring or something and didn't really heal very quickly. And he kind of stayed on the sidelines and um, ne never really was able to get on the field before they traded him. You know, Njoku is not really going to have that ability to publicly sort of say, get me out of here, you know, outside of this request. But I mean, with his actions in practice every day and having us saying, well, Njoku is not practicing again, or he did this or that. He, he's not going to be able to kind of make a statement, I, I guess, like, like Duke was able to last year. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the other thing to, to remember about David Njoku that, you know, he, he wasn't, Freddie Kitchens wasn't the only one that had some issues with him last year. There are other coaches who have kind of felt the same way. David marches to his own drummer. And I think that uh, he can rub some coaches the wrong way. So I, you know, I don't know. He really didn't have an opportunity to, to get on the bad side of the new coaching staff in this virtual offseason, I wouldn't think. Uh, and he had gone to Baker Mayfield's Camp Mayfield, right. I've been calling it, uh, in May. So he was, seemed like he was really gearing up for this. Um, so I don't know. You know, I don't know if he really wanted out and his previous agent was, you know, maybe not um, – not as enthusiastic about him leaving here. Uh, I, you know, I'm not really sure exactly how all that went down yet, but you know, I think this was a chance for him. And I think if he had played well enough this year and kind of gotten himself uh, back to where an Andrew Barry originally thought he could be, I think they probably would have started maybe talking extension at some point during the season because uh, you know, he is eligible for that long-term multi-year deal. So with Njoku, you know, you mentioned the production, uh, 2018, like I said, his, his best year, 56 catches on 88 targets, uh, scored four touchdowns, had 639 yards. I mean, the issue with Njoku has always been the hands. You know, we've seen it in games. We've seen it in practices. Every training camp, it, it has been a story, uh, Njoku's hands and, and things like that. But if there is one thing he's been really good at with this football team, it's, it has been – in the red zone. I mean, he's been a productive red zone player. Not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but he's been a guy that adds that other target 
uh, when, when you're inside the 20. And, and that, if the Browns do end up trading him, I think that's kind of the one thing uh, that they would really miss about him. Now, maybe you have Kareem Hunt, you have Austin Hooper, you have Nick Chubb, Odell, Jarvis. Maybe it doesn't matter because you've got enough red zone weapons. But I do think if you're going to trade David Njoku and you're going to miss him, that I guess that would be the one area where maybe you would. Yeah, yeah, I, I would think so. And again, I don't think they even targeted him as much as they could have in the red zone. Of course, last year was the weird year with missing 10 games with the broken wrist. But, you know, I thought that, uh, you know, for the most part, you could kind of throw it up to him and, and hope that he can make a play. So I do agree with you uh, that he would have been a weapon down there. And I, I think, you know, I could have seen him having, you know, six, seven touchdown catches this year in this offense, which we think should be much better than last year. So, uh, you know, lot, lots to kick around here. And uh, I kind of was surprised about this whole thing. So let, let, let's talk about that value then. Um, I, I guess what, what would be more surprising to you if the Browns got, let, let's put the Duke Johnson number on there. Now that was a fourth with a conditional third and they ended up getting that conditional third. But if the Browns got a third rounder for Njoku or say, I, I mean, I don't know if I want to go as low as a sixth, uh, let's say they got a fifth. What, what would be more surprising to you? So you're saying it would be more surprising to get a so, third? So or two trades. Let's say you, you see news that they got a third or, or whatever. Somebody tells you they got a third or they got a fifth. What are you what, – what would surprise you more? You know, it's hard to say because I actually thought – I was a little surprised that they got as much as they did for Duke Johnson. Yeah, I thought – too. Right? I mean, I thought they – I mean, especially when you're talking about a running back. Uh, but. key piece to their offensive puzzle then um, you know then then maybe someone will go as high as a third round pick for a, a player you know that is proven that as you said can be a threat or a weapon in the red zone like that and that you know that you, you can get maybe half a dozen touchdown catches out of him so uh, I would have to say that you know maybe maybe they would be able to get a third round pick or maybe similar to Duke, maybe a fourth round that improves to a third. Yeah. See, I, th I think that would probably surprise me more just because if I'm looking at him, I'm not looking at him as bringing him in as my number one tight end. You know, if, unless, I'm, unless I'm really desperate and I just need somebody there, I don't know yeah. if I'm looking to bring him in as my number one. I see him more as that gimmicky, you know, he's my second guy, he's my red zone guy. Um, I think I'd be more surprised at the higher pick. I, I still think this is probably – probably more of a day three pick just because the production hasn't been there. And, and I think you're still trading for much like when the Browns picked him and traded up to pick him, they picked upside. You're still kind of trading for upside. And unfortunately, I mean, we're four years into this and, and that upside needs to start hitting it. It just hasn't yet. And it wasn't all his fault last year, uh, but, but it's still, the, the production just isn't there yet. Well, you know, I just don't think it'll happen for that. I don't think that they would do it for that. Now, right. that might be the only thing that someone offers, uh, but they're not going to give him away for a fifth-round pick. I mean, I think they would even struggle uh, to do it for a third-round pick because I think they believe that what they can get out of him from a production standpoint would exceed uh, perhaps that, that third-rounder. So I just don't see them doing it for a, a late-round pick like that at all. I think they, they would rather just hang on to him and, you know, he's going to need to go out there and prove himself. So it's not like he can uh, sit around and not play well because he would only be hurting himself uh, heading into the final years of his contract. 
Um, so, you know, I think if they do keep him, you know, he's just got to go out there, suck it up, be the, you know, perhaps maybe the second tight end behind Austin Hooper now, maybe even the third tight end and do the best he can uh, to try to position himself for the future. Yeah. Remember that fifth year option is not guaranteed. Uh, he's still under the old CBA. So it's only guaranteed for injury. Um, so the right. Browns, you know, could, could move on before that, that kicks in uh, if, if they wanted to still. So, so that, that kind of plays into this as well. That's why it was low risk for them really uh, to pick it up. Now, Andrew Barry said that that wasn't part of their decision-making when we talked to him about it, but um, that, that does, that is still an option for them. If they're able to get him onto the roster know able to, to keep him here and he's not productive so he does he still does have a, a ton to prove yeah he does and and Dan we uh, started to get into this a little bit before I mean now look at that 2017 first <laughs> round right yeah. I mean if you you know you traded Jabril basically acknowledging and of course that was John Dorsey that made that trade but uh, basically acknowledging that, you know, that he wasn't the first rounder that you expected him to be there. Uh, and now perhaps they will end up parting ways with David Njoku. And uh, so then the only one left out of the three first round picks that year would be Miles Garrett. And of course they are negotiating a, a long-term contract extension for Miles Garrett. Uh, but if you had to do that draft all over again, just uh, think about ending up with Patrick Mahomes and TJ Watt. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather not <laughs> <laughs> or or you know think about ending up with miles garrett and deshaun watson yeah that, that would work that would have worked out okay worked too. Out. obviously patrick mahomes would have been would have been better but uh that that would have worked out as well um one, one last thing kind of looking at the tight end group the browns have now uh we, we've talked a little bit about it but i I guess this could put them in an uncomfortable position where they've got to count on Harrison Bryant, uh, fourth round pick played at FAU, you know, that competition level there, that, that that's a jump. It can be done. Uh, but, but that they would be asking a lot out of him if they make him the number two. Uh, and then there's some other guys in there, Steven Carlson, Farrell Brown. There, there's some other guys that are still around um, who, who could compete there, but you know, giving up the joke who does thin that tight end room a little bit. Yeah, it really would. Like you said, it would be uh, it would be sort of baptism by fire for Harrison Bryant. It would be, you know, he'd have to put the big boy pants on and be thrown in there a lot. Once again, this is a big time two tight end system. So he would be on the field potentially 57% of the time. That's a lot. He'd have to be really ready to go. And is he that ready to go? Well, you know better than anybody, Dan, because you just wrote this feature story <laughs> on him. But um but, you know, once again, this is an offseason where nobody has seen anybody yet. Nobody's gotten out on the field. Nobody's, uh, you know, nobody has seen if, uh, if, you know, these, if Grant Delpit can cover Harrison Bryant or how he uh, handles a, a Baker Mayfield pass. We just don't really know yet. So um, if he does get thrown into the fire that way, uh, he's going to have to rise to the occasion. Well, Andrew Barry knows what it's like. He's been in Cleveland. He's experienced things like this. Kevin Stefanski, this is one of your welcome to Cleveland moments where uh, here you are on your July 4th weekend. This is, the, this is the weekend when NFL coaches and GMs, this is like the NFL holiday, right? Obviously, this year has been a little different for everybody, but um, this is like the one holiday for, for the NFL. And Kevin, welcome to the Browns. David Njoku wants to get traded. That's a, uh, this will be sort of his baptism by fire here, I guess, as well. Uh, yeah, all right. I was outside watering the flowers, you know, just enjoying the uh, lovely, warm, sunny afternoon and uh, 
had to come in and spring to action. I, I had to look at the tweet multiple times. I thought I could have sworn it was a fake. I had to yeah. like check and double check because I'm like, who is requesting a trade? Okay. Yeah. Whatever. All right. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk, emergency edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We'll be back on Monday, uh, continuing our 20 questions series. Uh, I think we're going to talk about special teams on Monday. So you can check that out Monday morning. So hopefully this will get you through your holiday weekend a little bit. Uh, for Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.